Second Chronicles 16 verses 11 through 14 is our opening text today. It reads, Note that the events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a disease in his feet, and his disease became increasingly severe, yet even in his disease he didn't seek Yahweh, but only the physicians. Asa died in the 41st year of his reign and rested with his fathers. He was buried in his own tomb that he had made for himself in the city of David. They laid him out in a coffin that was full of spices and various mixtures of prepared ointments. Then they made a great fire in his honor. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. Today I would like to talk about the subject of doctors and medicine and the believer in Scripture. Some believers, some Christians are completely against them while others say that they have their place in the life of a believer. Some people say that going to a doctor is not trusting Yahweh or is lacking faith. Other people say that you can still trust Yahweh for your healing while at the same time going to a doctor or taking medicine. And then you have a debate over natural medicines versus synthetic medicines and it can be a hot topic, let me tell you. It can trigger a lot of people, that is for sure. I'm going to use this lesson to show you what I have found in my studies in Holy Scripture on the matter. And as with any subject, as believers, we should desire to know what Yahweh says and teaches about any subject. And the way that we find that out is by looking at the books that He gave us through His holy prophets and apostles, the Holy Scriptures. We look at that instruction and we look at their approved examples and then we do our best to apply principles to our modern day lives. We come away with certain beliefs and understandings and doctrines. So I want to begin in Second Chronicles 16 about King Asa. We're told here that Asa developed a disease in his feet. And then we're told that he did not seek Yahweh, but rather he sought the physicians or sought the doctors. When you read about Asa in 2 Chronicles chapters 14 through 16, you find that he was a fairly good king. He didn't do everything right, but he was a pretty good guy. But when he got sick, he chose to seek out physicians rather than seeking out Yahweh. Now this text is used by some people to disapprove of doctors. But I want to ask you this question. Is this text disapproving of the use of doctors... Or is this text disapproving only using doctors? Now, I think that the latter is the case. It wasn't that seeking medical treatment for the physicians was wrong. What was wrong is that Asa did not seek Yahweh, but instead sought only to the physicians. Had Asa sought Yahweh and also to the physicians, I believe he would have been correct and proper. But to dismiss prayer to Yahweh or fasting or repentance and just go to the doctor was not the proper way to handle his disease. We need to be careful that we don't follow King Asa's example here. Whenever we get sick or hurt, whether it's a headache or a broken bone, we need to make sure that we pray and ask Yahweh to help us or to heal us I believe that it is okay to seek doctors and even medicine, as I'll show in this sermon. 
But to neglect prayer or to neglect fasting or to neglect righteous living, repentance and righteous living for Yahweh's intervention is not proper. Look at Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22. Here we read, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? So why has the healing of my dear people not come about? That's the HCSB. The Good News Bible reads, Is there no medicine in Gilead? Are there no doctors there? Why then have my people not been healed? The first two questions in this verse are asked not to receive an answer but to make a point. It's called a rhetorical question. The point is is that there is balm or salve in Gilead. Healing balm. So why haven't the people been healed? There is a doctor or doctors. So why haven't the people been healed? Now there's a bigger spiritual context to this passage, but the point is is that the prophet Jeremiah brings up medicine and doctors in a positive light. They're presented as a way in this text or a means of healing for the people. Matthew 9, verses 10 through 13. While he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came as guests to eat with Yeshua and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Here Yeshua was reaching out to the spiritually lost or the spiritually sick. He was the doctor and they were the patient. And He uses the analogy of a sick person, physically sick person, needing a doctor. Now that doesn't make sense. That analogy that Yeshua doesn't make sense unless Yeshua believed it was okay and proper for sick people to visit or call on a doctor. Colossians chapter 4 verse 14. Just one verse here. Paul writes, Luke, the loved physician, and Demas greet you. Luke, the author of one of the four Gospels and a companion of the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Colossians. Luke was a doctor or a physician. Paul calls him here a beloved physician. Physician is defined as a surgeon or a dispenser of medicines. The Cambridge Bible Commentary points out on this verse that Luke shows up with Paul right around the time of Paul's physical weakness. I don't know if you remember when we studied Galatians in chapter 4 that Paul had a physical weakness and he praised the Galatians for taking care of him in his body. Well, if Luke shows up in Paul's ministry right around his physical weakness, it's probably not a coincidence. Luke may have joined Paul in order to help him with his sickness. And thus Paul calls him the loved doctor or the loved physician. Now, Paul had the gift of healing. But we need to remember that the gift of healing still did not mean you could just randomly heal anybody that you wanted to heal. Yahweh still had to work through you in using that gift to allow each healing to take place. Sometimes Yahweh chose not to heal. Sometimes He chose to heal. Sometimes He chose to just let natural circumstances take place in life. So if Paul was accompanied by a man who was skilled as a surgeon and in medicine, then Paul did not believe it was wrong to consult doctors 
or take medicines. Let's go from there and turn back to the Older Testament in Isaiah chapter 38. What about medicine? Does trusting Yahweh for our healing mean that we don't do anything? When Yahweh heals us, is it always instant? Is it always a miracle? Or does Yahweh sometimes heal us through the means of medicine? Isaiah 38 verses 1 through 5 says, In those days Hezekiah became terminally ill. The prophet Isaiah son of Amos came and said to him, This is what Yahweh says, Put your affairs in order for you are about to die, you will not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to Yahweh. He said, Please, Yahweh, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of Yahweh came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah that this is what Yahweh, mighty one of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Look, I am going to add 15 years to your life. What a blessing for Hezekiah right there. Now, who in here believes that Yahweh could have healed Hezekiah instantly and miraculously. I think we all believe that. Yahweh has the power to do that. I'll raise my hand to that. It's not too difficult for Yahweh. But, Yahweh chose not to heal Hezekiah with a miracle. In other words, doing nothing. Just zap him and he'd be healed. Isaiah 38 verse 21, a few verses later, says, Now Isaiah, that's the prophet, had said, Let them take a lump of figs and apply it to his infected skin so that he may recover. So we can't say, well, you can't ever do anything medicinally if you get sick. You just have to trust Yahweh. We can't say that. That's a wrong understanding because here the prophet was told to apply a fig poultice over the infected skin of Hezekiah to bring about the healing of Hezekiah's skin. That fig poultice was part of trusting Yahweh. It wasn't lacking trust in Yahweh. It was part of trust in Yahweh. Look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 30 through 34. Yeshua took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Sometimes religious people get everything wrong. The priest and the Levite didn't help the man. But who did? Verse 33, But a Samaritan on his journey, came up to him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on it oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The Samaritan in this parable is not said to have just laid hands on the guy and prayed and said, Yahweh, heal this man from what has happened to him. I believe that you can heal him. Now, Yahweh could have done that, and it would have been proper for the Samaritan to pray. But then it was also proper for the Samaritan to put some works behind that prayer and help the man. So he used bandages, and he used oil and wine, two medicinal things 
back in that time. There are also some old Hebrew writings that speak of using the combination of oil and wine on little baby boys after their circumcision in order to aid in the healing process. This is probably what the Hebrews used. You can find that in John Gill's commentary on Luke 10 verse 34. Isaiah 1 verse 6 mentions the bandages and the oil as well. From the sole of the foot even to the head, no spot is uninjured. Wounds, welts, and festering sores not cleansed, bandaged, or soothed with oil. When you dismiss any aid outside of Yahweh miraculously coming to heal you, you are mimicking the snake handlers who tempt Yahweh by doing something that they know could kill them. Now some of these snake handling churches, snake handling preachers, they get bit during their church service and they die because they have told their congregants that if that happens, they're not to call 911, they're not to seek medical treatment because we believe that God will heal us and He'll take care of us. That's tempting Yahweh. What do I mean by tempting Yahweh? Think back to Matthew chapter 4 when the devil, Satan, took Yeshua up on the pinnacle of the temple and told him to jump off and then the devil quoted a verse from Psalm 91 and there's a reason behind that but we don't have time to get into this. But The devil quoted the verse in Psalm 91 and part of that verse is Yahweh will protect you and He'll send His angels to catch you if you jump off. And Yeshua quoted the book of Deuteronomy all three times that it's recorded that the devil tempted Yeshua. He quoted Deuteronomy all three times in the Torah, the Torah of Moses. And Yeshua quoted Deuteronomy 6 where He says, Thou shalt not tempt Yahweh thy mighty one. Meaning that if Yeshua knew that was going to harm Him bodily and He jumped off the pinnacle of that temple, he would have been tempting Yahweh to do that. That's exactly what the snake handlers are doing. They're knowing, knowing that a snake can bite them. And this guy on the screen, he actually did die from a snake bite. He was on a popular TV show years back. But they're tempting Yahweh. And if we sit there in our sickened body and we just pray or we just seek Yahweh and we do not seek medical attention in a case like that, we are tempting Yahweh. We are violating that text in Deuteronomy chapter 6. To just sit there and say that Yahweh will heal you if He wants to would be like sitting in your living room and believing Yahweh for a paycheck that week. That's not how it works. I believe that Yahweh takes care of my family and He feeds my family and He clothes my family and He puts a roof over my family's head. But I don't wake up in the morning and sit on the couch and expect Yahweh to do all of that without me doing my part in going to work by the sweat of my face, making a living, earning money, and bringing it home to take care of my family. So who takes care of my family, Yahweh or me? Both. Yahweh's the primary, Matthew's the secondary. The way that Yahweh takes care of my family is through me working and providing. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. Here we see that wine was used, alcohol was used as a medicine for stomach problems. Paul writes to Timothy, Don't continue drinking only water, but use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. I thought we weren't supposed to have any illnesses. Some charismatics believe that, but no, the Bible teaches that we do have illnesses 
And here, Timothy's illnesses are called frequent. So we pray and ask Yahweh to heal us, and then we do as the apostle instructs, and we use a little wine if we have stomach problems. Now, since this verse mentions the medicinal use of wine, this is not the recreational use of wine, but this is the medicinal use of wine. The Bible does teach both. I want to look at another verse like this in Proverbs 31, 6-7. through This is from the Septuagint text. It says, Give strong drink to those in sorrow and wine to drink for those in pain so they may forget their poverty and no longer remember their grief. I've gotten in trouble for quoting this verse before in some places. Now, I understand that some people have a problem with alcohol over drinking. And I also understand that some people have a problem with food overeating. We don't hear the message about overeating very much in church. Uh, we do hear the message about overdrinking, and we should because it is a sin to uh, be a drunkard or drunkenness. It's a sin to be a glutton as well. We should definitely be careful on how much we eat. Um, but neither of those abuses, the abuse of alcohol and the abuse of food, takes away from the proper use of alcohol and the proper use of food. And this verse, in Proverbs 31, teaches us that when a person is in pain or sorrow, alcohol may be used to dull that sorrow or that pain. Yahweh's Word teaches us that there can be times where alcohol can be used as an antidepressant drug. Next is Proverbs 17, verse 22. From the King James Version this time, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Now, how could the author here say this if all medicine was wrong? If a merry heart, a glad heart, does good like a medicine, then obviously the author of Proverbs believed that a medicine did good. If you meditate on this, spend some time thinking about this, it goes both ways. If it is true that a merry heart does good like a medicine, then it has to also be true that a medicine can do us good like a merry heart. Proverbs 31, 6-7 will be a great example of that. When our heart is sorrowful or in pain, we take the medicine of wine, and it does good like a merry heart. I've been researching and reading a lot lately in what is called the apocryphal books. These are books that used to be in our Bibles but have been removed for various reasons. For example, the Bible that many older people still read and take to church with them today, the King James Version, it originally contained books like Sirach, First and Second Maccabees, Tobit, Judith, the Wisdom of Solomon. When I say the names of those books, they sound strange a lot of times to our ears, but it's only because we're far removed from them being in the Bible. To the original readers of the 1611 King James Version, and even to the pilgrims, who by the way used the Geneva Bible, 1560 and 1599 Geneva Bible was used by the pilgrims, the ones that sailed over here to the New World on the Mayflower. They used the Geneva Bible. In the Geneva Bible were what we call the apocryphal or the later called the deuterocanonical books. Those books would have just been as familiar to the pilgrims as Psalms, Proverbs, Nehemiah, or Esther. So I personally am trying to retrain my mind 
to love those books that a lot of our early Christian ancestors loved as well. I want to show you a section from the book of Sirach, chapter 38, verses 1 through 14. I'm reading this from the Good News Bible translation, which contains the Apocrypha, at least some versions of it contains the Apocrypha. Listen to this. Sirach 38, beginning at verse 1. Give doctors the honor they deserve, for the Lord gave them their work to do. Their skill came from the Most High, and kings reward them for it. Their knowledge gives them a position of importance, and a powerful people hold them in high regard. The Lord created medicines from the earth, and a sensible person will not hesitate to use them. Didn't a tree once make bitter water fit to drink, so that the Lord's power might be known? He gave medical knowledge to human beings so that we would praise Him for the miracles He performs. The chemist, some translations there say the druggist, mixes these medicines and the doctor will use them to cure diseases and ease pain. There is no end to the activities of the Lord who gives health to the people of the world. My child, when you feel ill, don't ignore it. Pray to the Lord and He will make you well. Confess all your sins and determine that in the future you will live a righteous life. Offer incense and a grain offering as fine as you can afford. Then call the doctor. For the Lord created him and keep him at your side. You need him. There are times when you have to depend on his skill. The doctor's prayer is that the Lord will make him able to ease his patient's pain and make them well again. That text might be the clearest text that we've looked at so far in this lesson. I believe that it harmonizes beautifully with everything else that we've read in what we consider the canonical Bible, the 66 books in the American canon. At this point, I want to talk a little bit here. We went through a lot of verses. At this point, somebody's bound to ask, what about modern medicine? Some people hear all of these verses that I've shown in this lesson and they say we should stick to natural medications and steer clear of modern synthetic medicine. Well first let me say this. Natural medicines, wine, fig poultice, St. John's wort, natural medicines are still just as much medicine as synthetic medicine. And if you say that we're just supposed to sit there and have faith, then you shouldn't take natural medicines either. That would be consistent but it wouldn't be scripturally sound. I don't believe that all modern medicine is bad. Some of it can be bad, sure. Sometimes people get hooked on pain pills. Sometimes people overdose on strong medication. Of course, there is an abuse of medication that can cause all sorts of problems. At the same time, there exists a proper use of medicine, modern medicine, that helps many people greatly. These medicines cause people to function and even save lives at times. Now it can be different for each person because what helps one person may not help the next person. And we have to be sensitive and compassionate to each individual. Uh, we just had our dear brother Jerry Kendall. I told him before the service he was part of my sermon. And he's got a shirt on. Stand up and show us your shirt, brother. Let me see you. Show everybody your shirt. On the front it says transplant recipient. On the back. <laughs> and on the back it says live 
Love and donate. Piedmont transplant. So, Brother Jerry is a dear brother in our congregation. He's an elder here in our congregation. He helps teach. He told me the other day that he hasn't felt this good in 10 years. And that was possible because of technology advancements and modern medicine. What happened to Brother Jerry was possible only because of that. Let me ask you a question. Was it Yahweh or the doctors that healed Brother Jerry? It was both. Yahweh was the primary. Nothing could happen apart from Yahweh's power. But Yahweh used the means of the doctors to do that. Do that surgery. And the medicine that he's on. I know a young girl who has cystic fibrosis. She's had it since she was born, since she was a baby. And she has recently begun to take new medication that was developed for people with that disease. The medicine is helping her greatly. Her life expectancy used to be 35 at the oldest. The doctors told her that she would be doing great if she lived to the age of 35 before she died. Since taking this medication, her life expectancy has jumped from age 35 to age 65. The medicine is not doing harm, but it is doing good. Did Yahweh help this young girl or the modern medicine? Both. The primary was Yahweh and the means is the new medicine development. Let's talk about medication for depression. Now, we've already talked about alcohol is used in Scripture for an antidepressant in Proverbs 31. I want to talk a little bit more about this. There are people who suffer with depression, clinical depression, and these people can take certain prescribed medications and they go from not being able to function to being able to live a peaceful and joyful life. The medicine that they are taking does not cause anything lawless in their life, but it rather helps to stabilize chemicals in their brain and it brings about a good life that they would not otherwise be able to have. Now maybe you don't deal with depression. Not everybody does. But depression or a problem in somebody's brain is just as real as a broken bone, a bad liver, or a bad heart. It's just as real. It is disrespectful for us. Brother Jerry and I, we talked a little bit before service. It is disrespectful for us when we do not deal with a sickness or disease to speak lightly of someone who does. Whether it be cancer, whether it be cirrhosis of the liver, whether it be COVID-19, just because we don't deal with it heavily in our home doesn't mean that other people haven't dealt with it and lost loved ones. We just attended a funeral yesterday. A friend of my wife died, sweet lady, 52 years old, died from COVID-19. It is disrespectful for us to belittle that and say whatever and make light of it. Well, there are people that deal with clinical depression. Now, I deal with depression in my life, not clinical depression. Praise Yahweh, I don't have it that bad. But I take whole food vitamins every day. Certain vitamins that a naturopath doctor told me to take. And that helps me. It helps me tremendously. For some people, though, that's not enough. Some people, that's not enough for them. 
Some people need prescription medication. Some people need a therapist or a psychiatrist. And that is okay too. There are many good Christian therapists that are trained to listen and talk to you in ways that can help. Sometimes Christians tell people who battle with depression to just think positive or just look on the good things. But somebody who is mentally sick, who is sick in their brain, can't always do that. They need help, just like the person with the broken leg or the person with the bad heart. Therapy and medicine help these people, many of them, greatly. And my dear brother or sister in the faith, whether you be in here listening by Facebook Live or the telephone or later on, if you deal with this, there is nothing wrong with you taking that medicine if it helps you to function and live a peaceful and joyful life. Maybe over time, a person can be weaned off of certain prescription medications and they can go a more natural route. I'm for that. We should always seek not just for appeal, but we should seek to better our health through what? Healthy eating, exercise, sunshine. I read a statement from a commenter on a YouTube video where a guy was talking about depression this week and she said prescription drugs did not help her and she found out that she lacked vitamin D. And so she began taking whole food vitamin D3 and wouldn't you know it, she got better. So over time and trial and error we can find out where we're deficient. We can go the natural route, I think that's probably best. But that is not to condemn or belittle people who have to be on prescription medication in order to balance things out in their brain and in their thinking. There is a balance here. We don't want to get too much on the physical side. and we don't, we don't want to get too much on the spiritual side. We are both physical and spiritual beings. Sometimes I feel like church people want to only focus on the spiritual side and act like a person's entire problem is just spiritual. But then you have unbelieving doctors that don't see the spiritual and they only want to focus on the physical. Their problem is just physical. We're physical and spiritual beings. We're created in the image of Yahweh, brothers and sisters. Yahweh breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. So if we're physical and spiritual beings, then that means when we have problems, they can be addressed both physically and spiritually. For example, sometimes we have great testimony services and we share and we share prayer requests and we pray for one another and somebody cries and we comfort one another. That can be therapy. You say, Brother Matthew, the Holy Convocation can be therapy? Yes, it can be. That's why we're here, to encourage one another, to lift each other up, fix our spiritual man, not to the neglect of the physical, but to fix our spiritual man. What about pharmacia, Brother Matthew? You always hear something like this in our movement in the Torah community. You might see a meme like this on Facebook that makes me roll my eyes so far in the back of my head I wonder if they're going to come back to the front. So the argument goes something like this. There are a few texts in the New Testament that mention sorceries and witchcraft. And when you look up those words in the underlying Greek text of the New Testament you find the word in Greek, pharmakia, which Greek lexicons partly define as drugs or medication. Then people will tell you that going to the drugstore or using modern medication is witchcraft because 
when you go to Walgreens or CVS, there is a pharmacy section and pharmacy slash pharmacia, that's sorcery, that's witchcraft, Brother Matthew, don't you know that? Okay. We cannot take the later use of a word and act like that was the original use of that word. People who do not know how to do word studies get themselves into all kinds of trouble with the Strong's Concordance. <laughs> and it messes them up. You need to be taught how to use that properly. Now, I could give many examples, but when I was putting this sermon together, I thought of one. I'll just give one example here. In the New Testament, the Greek word for power is dunamis. That's where we get our word dynamite. The English word dynamite is an offshoot of the Greek word dunamis. But that does not mean that every time you see the word dunamis in the Greek New Testament that it's talking about dynamite. doesn't mean that at all. Yet I have heard some pastors take the word dynamite and apply it back into the text of the Bible and quote a text like Acts chapter 1, verse 8 in the Pentecostal church where it says, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's dynamite. You're supposed to be like dynamite. That preaches good, maybe, and gets the crowd riled up, but that's not the intent of the original text. And the same here goes for pharmacia. Just because Walgreens has a section inside of it called pharmacy does not mean that what they are offering is sorcery or witchcraft. The word pharmacy does come from the Greek word pharmakia, but that doesn't mean the modern meaning of a word goes back to the book of Revelation. What is pharmakia? Well, listen, it can be understood as drugs, but in its negative sense, it should be understood as a witch's potion or drugs that cause a person to act outside of the terms of the covenant. When you go to a doctor and they prescribe medicine for you, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to make you hallucinate? Are they trying to make you out of your mind? Or are they trying to help you? Many, many cases they're trying to help you. So a modern example of pharmacia would be something like heroin or cocaine, among other like things. People get hooked on those drugs, and what do those drugs cause? Turmoil, problems, people rob their own mother, the problems are caused from those things. If I'm sick with the flu and I take a dose of NyQuil not to heal me but to mask the symptoms so I can sleep that night, you know what happens? I go to sleep. If I shoot up heroin, it could kill me. Or I make a go and rob or kill someone else. There is a big difference. So, for example, the people that I mentioned earlier that suffer from clinical depression, the drugs that they take help them to function, to live a prosperous life, and to be great contributors to society. But a drug addict that is hooked on cocaine or even hooked on certain pain medications, prescription medications, overtaking them for no reason or for the reason of trying to get high, that is not contributing to society and that person is digging a pit that is deeper and darker each day that they remain on those type of drugs. That pit often ends up in losing a house, losing a car, losing a spouse, and sometimes even losing your life. Nothing good comes from these drugs. 
they are a modern understanding of sorcery or witchcraft or pharmacia. Not Tylenol, NyQuil, or the drug that's helping the young girl with cystic fibrosis to live and to function properly. Now, let me say again, and I touched on this a little bit ago, I'm not saying that modern medication is the end-all answer. I've been accused of that before, but I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying you can just find the right pill and everything's going to be fine. I believe in finding the root of the problem if you have sickness or disease. And I realize that some medications, if you use them long term, they can be damaging to your body due to the side effects. I understand all that. I know all that. All I'm saying is that some modern medication can help people who suffer with various mental sicknesses and physical sicknesses. And it can mask pain when needed, just like alcohol, Proverbs 31, 6 through 7. What about vaccinations? I mentioned this in my Sabbath sermon. I felt everybody tense up when I said about vaccinations. <laughs> if everybody tenses up here, uh, they're really tensing up on Facebook probably right now when I said that. It could be a trigger subject. Somebody gets triggered, the claws come out when you mention that. I want everybody, not just here and right now, but in general, on this subject, I want everybody to take a deep breath, slow down, and try to listen to other people even when they disagree with you. Um, we have to be able to hear or else we can't learn. And a lot of times just because somebody disagrees it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they're coming at it from a different angle or maybe they've had a different experience in life. Okay? People get so emotional on both sides of the subject. Uh, the pro-vaccination people and the anti-vaccination people so emotional. And generally, I try to stay away from extremes. I try to balance everything out. So, um, in my research on vaccinations, there are vaccinations that use aborted fetal cells in the trials, research, and or making of said vaccine. Aborted fetal cells come from, in this case, elective abortions. The terminating of a little baby's life while he or she is in the womb of their mother. I read an article the other day where Roman Catholic bishops, because the Roman Catholic Church is very pro-life and anti-abortion. I read an article the other day where their priests or their bishops were advising their congregants against taking the latest COVID vaccine from Johnson & Johnson because of this reason, the aborted fetal cells. Now from my research, all of the COVID vaccines use fetal cell lines somehow, whether in the development of the vaccine, the testing of the vaccine, or in the vaccine itself. And the fetal cells were obtained from elective abortions. Now some people point out that these abortions were done a long time ago. I watched a medical doctor today who readily admitted, now this was from 2015 before COVID was even a thing, but he readily admitted when the question was asked, do vaccinations contain aborted fetal cells or aborted fetal cell lines? He said, sure, sure they do. And he mentioned the Roman Catholic Church. And to a lot of people, they don't think that that's a problem because abortion is legalized in uh, most of America, if not all of America. And so they always make a point to say that these fetal cell lines come from legal abortions, they'll say. 
And we should know that just because something is legal in a country or a state doesn't mean that it's lawful in the eyes of, of Yahweh. So some people point out that these abortions come from like the 1960s and that the cell lines that are used now for testing, research, or development, those cell lines have grown independently of themselves. I say they still developed from abortions that were done electively, whether it was in the 1960s, whether it was in Netherlands, as is the case for most vaccinations. For me, I do not believe in abortion. And if an elective abortion is involved in the making of the vaccine, that's a big issue to me. That's huge to me. Now, some vaccinations also contain unclean things in them. When I say unclean things, I'm talking about unclean animals, Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14. So then, when we find that out, then we ask ourselves a question. Is taking a vaccination with something unclean in it, is it the same as eating an unclean animal? And that's a question you have to ask yourself when you do your research and study this. Some people say, well, it's about saving lives, so the good outweighs the bad. And I actually do believe there could be a situation where, let's, let's talk about unclean animals. I believe you could be in a situation where in order to save your life, you could actually eat something unclean and it not be a violation of the law of Yahweh. It's no different than we keep the Sabbath, but sometimes we break the Sabbath to what? Save a life. Because the law of life trumps everything else. And so I'm not saying that if you get stranded on a desert island and you hadn't eaten for a day and you see a hog come by, it's just to kill the hog and eat it. I told Tisha, I said, I might just go out. I might just go out fasting and look for my reward in the kingdom. But there could be a situation where you are starving and actual starving and you have to feed your family and you would eat something unclean in order to continue your life. Um, but are you in a life-threatening situation when you take a vaccination? Sometimes maybe, but certainly not most of the time. Now, I will say this. If there are vaccinations that don't use or contain any of these things that I've just mentioned, then I do not believe it's wrong to take that vaccination. Now, I know that's going to make the hair stand up on some people's necks when I say that. Some people will get upset with me, but that's, that's my personal stance. Medication in and of itself is not sinful. There are pros and cons to vaccinations, and as parents of children, our research, Tisha and mine's research, led us not to vaccinate our children, and they're doing fine. Other children have been vaccinated, and they do fine as well. So what you need to do is you need to do your research and make an informed decision for you and your family because I'm not the Messianic Pope and you need to think these things through for yourself. All of these things that I'm talking about today. I also want to say this for many other things. If something is not a direct transgression of Yahweh's law, then people have the right to choose which route they are going to take. Deuteronomy 4 verse 2 says we're not to add to the commandments or take away from the commandments. So if anything is not a direct transgression of the law, people are at liberty to choose which route they want to take. If someone does want to take chemotherapy for cancer, that's fine. That's their liberty. 
if someone does not, they choose not to, that's their choice. That's their liberty. There's no sin either way. I just listened to a video the other day. There was a man who was old. His friend was talking about him. He had deceased now. But his friend was saying he was old and he got diagnosed with cancer and it was actually six weeks from his diagnosis to his death. But he was asked what he wanted to do and I think he was in his late 70s or early 80s and he said, I don't want to do anything. He said, I just, I just want nature to take its course. We shouldn't look down on that. And if somebody says, I want to do something, we shouldn't look down on that. My granddaddy took two, two days or two times of chemotherapy when he had cancer. And after that second time, he came home. and I got a call from Mom, and she said, Granddaddy said, that's it. I'm not going back. It was too hard for him, too rough. He said, I can't do it anymore. So he chose not to do it anymore. And he died. Everybody has to die sometimes. Let's stop condemning one another for our choices in matters that we have liberty in. If it's not a direct transgression of the law, people have a choice to, to make. Nothing sinful about either route. Sick people are often trying to do what's best. As I close today, one of Yahweh's titles in Scripture is Rapha, Yahweh Rapha means Yahweh is the healer. He can and He does heal people miraculously. I believe that. You believe that? I hope we do. But while we pray for a miracle or we pray for healing over time, there is nothing wrong with us seeking a doctor or medicine to help the healing process. It's still Yahweh healing us. He's just using different means in different situations. There's another title of Yahweh in Scripture, and that is Yireh. Yahweh Yireh. means Yahweh the provider. I heard a story one time about a man who ran out of gas on the side of the road. This is a true story. He told the passenger with him after he ran out of gas and sat there on the curb, he said, I believe the Lord can fill up our gas tank. Let's join hands and let's pray. And I believe if we pray and believe hard enough, the Lord will give us gas to get to where we're going. They prayed and then the passenger decided to take a walk to the gas station and buy a gas can and get some gas and bring it back to the car so he could put a little bit of gas in the car and get to the station. When the passenger got back, the car was still empty with gas with the driver there standing by the side of the road. And the passenger lifted up the gas can, a little one-gallon gas can. He said, the Lord has answered our prayers. He brought us some gas for our car. The point of the story is this. Do not think that the Lord can't use someone else or something else to answer your prayer. You are not lacking faith by using the people or the technology that Yahweh has blessed us with. It is still Yahweh doing the healing even when it's through a doctor or through medicine. No, I've kind of went, I think I went a little bit longer than I normally go. But I wanted to get all that in in one sermon. Let's pray and then we'll go on with our testimony and prayer request service. Heavenly Father, thank You, Yahweh, for Your love. Thank You for Your compassion. And thank You for Your healing. Help us, Yahweh, to believe in You and help us, Yahweh, not to just rely on doctors 
or just rely on medicine. Help us to have faith in you. And each time we get sick or hurt, let us pray the prayer of faith. Yahweh, we do thank you for your healing in the form of miracles. I've seen it happen. But we thank you for your healing in the form of other ways as well. Help us, Yahweh, not to be too extreme in either case, but to just have this balanced view. And I pray, Yahweh, Father, that you would continue to enlighten us and teach us ways to be more and more healthy people, both in the spiritual and in the physical. I pray all these things in the name of your holy child, Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Y'all, we bless you.